things, beautiful, awe-inspiring things, but it also includes ugly and hurtful things. It includes brokenness and frustrating things. You know, see, some people, they ignore the bad and they only focus on the good. Some people become jaded and, and apathetic. Still others begin to focus only on the bad and can't seem to see anything good. We all at some point ask this question. Why doesn't somebody do something? As Christians, we may ask, why doesn't God do something? Matthew West asks this exact question in a song that was recently released. Here are the lyrics. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now, thought, how'd we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did, yeah. I created you. Now listen, if not us, then who? If not me and you, right now, it's time for us to do something. If not now, then when? Will we see an end to all this pain? Oh, it's not enough to do nothing. It's time for us to do something. I'm so tired of talking about how we are God's hands and feet but it's easier to say than to be. Living like angels of apathy who tell ourselves, it's all right, somebody else will do something. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of life with no desire. I don't want a flame, I want a fire. And I wanna be the one who stands up and says, I'm gonna do something. If not us, then who? If not me and you, right now, it's time for us to do something. Yes, it is, come on. If not now, then when will we see an end to this pain? Oh, it's not enough to do nothing. It's time for us to do something. We are the salt of the earth. We are a city on a hill. We're never gonna change the world by standing still. No, we won't stand still. No, we won't stand still. If not us, then who? If not me and you right now, it's time for us to do something. If not now, then when will we see an end to all this pain? It's not enough to do nothing. It's time for us to do something. You see, I truly believe the scripture teaches that God is doing something. But that something has always forever been done through the people he created. And the people he called forth to be his followers. We see an amazing story of that in the story of Saul turned Paul. One of the greatest examples we have of somebody who did something on behalf of God and Jesus. And we find in Acts chapter 22, Paul telling the story of his conversion beginning in verse one. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am born a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I stuttered, studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of, the, of this way to their death. 
arrested both men and women and throwing them in prison as the high priest and all the council can testify themselves. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. But about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus, and the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said to me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be a witness to his people and to all uh, and to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Saul thought he was living the right way. Saul wanted to do God's will desperately, but he was going about it incorrectly. He was not, in fact, believing in the one that God had sent. But God didn't look at him and think, oh, what a waste. Let me just get rid of him. He's a, he's a bump in the road. He's an obstacle to my people. No, God took this man and he chose him to be his instrument for good. Did you notice what was said to him? You've been chosen. Go and you'll hear all you've been assigned to do. I believe we too have been chosen. We have been called to do something. Paul went on in obedience to Jesus Christ to do many amazing, awe-inspiring things. And he did it in the midst of seeing some horrific, hurtful, ugly things. But he didn't let those things deter him. He remained faithful to the call he'd received. Seniors, I believe you've received this call. Church, I believe we have received this call. This call to do something. In another passage, we see that the apostles of Jesus after he's risen, after, after he's appeared to them, after he's been ascended into heaven, are preaching about him in the streets, publicly proclaiming the risen king. But the religious leaders don't like that. They arrest them, but then they're miraculously freed. And what do they do? Go straight back to preaching. And in the morning, when the religious leaders find that they're gone, somebody says, I've seen them. They're already preaching in the streets. The religious leaders are angry. They go to the apostles and they say, we gave you strict instructions not to do this. The apostles' response is, 
We must obey God rather than men. And this filled the religious leaders with such anger they wanted to kill them. But we pick up in Acts chapter 5, verse 34, that says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thudius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of a census, and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, I present the case, therefore in this case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in, had them flogged, then ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering Disgrace for the name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, our calling is not, not just from a human call, a human leader, uh, some human's will of something good that we could maybe do. Uh, our call is not to get off our butts and do something because we're lazy. Our call comes from God himself. And it is a call that comes with power that cannot be stopped. It's a call that draws us to be bigger than ourselves, to accomplish something that, that goes beyond our own lives. And the apostles had caught that. The apostles were living that out. And in the face of opposition, they didn't say, wow, I can't believe that Jesus would have us do this and have us suffer. I can't imagine being arrested. I'm kind, of a, I'm kind of afraid of getting in trouble. But they weren't just arrested. They were, even after being decided to let them go, they were flogged. You know what it means to be flogged? It means to be whipped into an inch of your life. And what is their response? Jesus, why could you let this happen to us? No. Thank you, Jesus, for letting this happen to us. Why? Because they understood what joy it is to follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. In fact, to suffer just as he suffered for the gospel. Jesus himself taught us about this. In Matthew chapter 5, we see the Sermon on the Mount, and as was referenced in the Matthew West song, Jesus speaks about who we're supposed to be on this earth. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you are the light of the world, a town 
built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In this same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, we could easily read these words of Jesus and think it's, a, it's kind of a mindset. It's like an attitude. It's, it's a, just kind of a way of being. I'm going I'm to be the salt of the earth. I'm going to be a light. I'm just going to, you know, shine out somehow to people around me. But Jesus doesn't let us stay abstract. He says, let them see your good deeds. If they're going to see good deeds, that means you're doing something. It means you're living out in action, being the salt of the earth, being that city on a hill, the light of the world. And we, we want to be that. Seniors, you were the big men and women on campus for this year. Top dogs. And now you're the youngest of all the adults in the room, right? Sometimes life puts us at the top, and sometimes life puts us at the bottom. And, and you may have always felt like you kind of were a natural leader, and, and you stepped up, and maybe you've always felt like you were a background person, and you kind of held back. And wherever you are, church, in the way that you feel about yourself, I want you to know something. Everyone is big enough, big enough to do something. Now, some of you parents out there are like, wait, I know that. Yes, I'm quoting a Daniel Tiger song. Daniel Tiger is a really cool little uh, cartoon that, that takes place in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, features around Daniel Tiger, and it teaches a, some really cool life lessons through song for kids. One of those songs says, Everyone is big enough, big enough to do something. And now what Daniel's trying to teach little kids is that you may want to help and you may want to cook the whole meal for mom, but maybe you can't cook the whole meal. But everyone's big enough to do something, so you can help her gather the ingredients or chop the onion. You can help her dump the milk into the pan. You may not be able to mow the whole yard. You may not be able to build the whole fire with dad, but you can help him pick up the sticks out of the yard. You can help him clean up the trash. Everyone is big enough big enough to do something. What does that have to do with us and God? Seniors, you've already been big enough to do something, and you already have. Many in this church can attest to what Caleb and Madison have already done, stepping up and leading in their lives. But you're going to find yourself in places where you don't feel big enough, Paul encourages a young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, by saying, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. In other words, don't use your age as an excuse to do nothing. Don't let the smallness you feel in whatever area you find yourself 
to be the excuse to do nothing. Instead, do something. God hasn't called all of us to be Paul, but he has called all of us to do something. You don't have to lead singing on a Sunday morning. You don't have to preach a sermon to thousands. You can simply reach across and encourage somebody. You can simply use all these amazing communication tools to check in on somebody. You can simply stand up for what you believe amongst your peers. You can simply lead towards good things in your schools. You can make decisions that show God in your life and do something. You can pray for those who have no voice in this world. You can hold up a sign that says that you love those who others hate. You can do something. We're not all called to be Paul, but we are all called to do something. As we seek to be the hands and feet of God, here are some questions I encourage you to ask. What do I see that's broken in the world around me? And why is it that what I notice, oh, sorry, why is that, wait, why is what I notice, man, why I wrote this down wrong. What, what do I see that's broken in the world around me? Why is it, that's what's missing, why is it that, what, why is it that I notice this and how has God equipped me to do something about it? What do I see that's broken in the world and why is it that I notice it and how has God equipped me to do something about it? That's the first question. Just what do I see? As you get older, you're going to see more and more and certain things are going to stick out to you. Why does that stick out to you and how has God equipped you to deal with it? The next question I would encourage you to ask is, what does scripture show is something God opposes? Now that might seem like a weird question. We usually are asking, what does God love? And how does he love? And what is the good that God is doing? But it's also important to ask the question, what does God oppose? 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Peter says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ, of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. God opposes the proud. You know how to recognize those who are proud. You know when you're acting in pride. God opposes that. Why? 
Because when we humble ourselves, we can find the place that he's assigned to us to do something. You may think the elders have this, this high honor and this high position, and they certainly do. But to truly do that position the right way, they must be humble. And in the same way, we must be humble to follow after them as they follow after Christ. We must be humble to pursue God in the way that he has intended. Psalm 34 Verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. God rescues the oppressed. He opposes oppression. God dislikes when humans put down other humans. Maybe you can't go on a missionary journey, but can you step across the hallway at school and stand up for those who are being oppressed by the bully? Can you reach out to that kid that in high school you thought, okay, now I'm out of high school, I don't have to deal with that kid anymore. Could you reach out to them? And say you're sorry for the way you've treated them? Show them some love and respect? Can you stand up for those who can't plead their own case? Those who are voiceless in our society and in our world. And stand with God to oppose oppression. The last question I have for you as you consider being the hands and feet of God is this. What are things that the Gospels tell us Jesus did to serve those around him. You see, ultimately, we're trying to be the hands and feet of God, which means we're trying to be like Christ. Jesus was our prime example of what it is to be the hands and feet of God. So what things do we see recorded of him doing? Go and do those same things. Spend time with the outcast. Don't seek popularity and power and fame. When people try to lift you on a pedestal, quickly go back to God and humble yourself before the Lord. Speak out against those who hurt others. Speak out the truth of the gospel, that it's available to all. Show love and respect to those who haven't received love and respect. And so let's review those questions. What do I see that's broken in the world around me? Why do I notice it? And how has God equipped me to do something about it? What does scripture show that God opposes? What are things in the gospel that Jesus did to serve those around him? Do something. Do something. Don't sit around and do nothing. God has called us all, graduated seniors, and the rest of the believing body to be active in our faith. Take ownership of it. Do something. The unfortunate truth, seniors, is that you've seen only a tiny bit of the world. And there's some amazing experiences ahead of you. And there's going to be some really hard experiences ahead of you. You're going to have personal experiences and witness experiences of others that are ugly and hurtful. And you, you might rather forget but don't become jaded and apathetic. 
Don't ignore the good that does still exist in the world, but be that agent for Christ. Let him act through you, because I believe that's what God has called us to do. So there's your challenge, church. As we worship together today, do something.